It's your radio sisters. I'm Rachel. I'm Bo. And I'm Ally Cat. Well, we're singers, songwriters, and sisters. And if you're curious about the creative process like we are, stick around right here. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories and interviews from the world's biggest stars and most creative minds. You'll take away artistic gems to fuel your own creative process and get that project started already. Or get the mojo to keep on going. That's right. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. <laughs> well, so glad you're here with us. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and we're here to encourage you to be creative right in the middle of your reality. Uh-huh. And take it from the sisters who live in the middle of chaos. That's true. <laughs> you got to steal some moments this weekend to do what brings your soul joy. You said it, Allie. And you'll hear from some guests today who are following their creative passions, and hopefully it will inspire you to do the same. Woo. Let's get to it, sisters. <laughs> the Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're gonna have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, first up today, it's laughter and song all day long. It's Wayne Brady. But I know change's gonna come. You gotta hand it to him. Wayne Brady is the king of entertainment. Well, you know him from the hit show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or maybe The Wayne Brady Show. With five Emmys, Wayne has done everything from Broadway to TV, from recording to even a Grammy nomination. You guys are going to get a peek into the life of a true entertainer, plus some pretty cool truth bombs thrown in for good measure. Oh, yeah. And you can catch him this weekend at the Holland Center in Omaha for the Omaha Symphony Gala. So get ready to tap your toes and sing along to some of the best music. A one-of-a-kind night. Okay, sisters, who's next? Okay, Allie, entering from stage right, the sibling harmony group, the Bundy. Megan, Ryan, and Katie. Be my lady, I'll be your king. I'll build your castle, I'll buy your rings. Be my lady, I'll be your king. I'll make you lose your head for me. Well, maybe you're watching the Bundys right now on season 16 of The Voice. You'll know them from their harmonies, and The Voice opened up their doors this year to trios. That's right. They opened the door, and there were the Bundys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, you guys would know why we love having the Bundys on our show. This segment is all going to be about sibling harmony, and we have a feeling you're going to get to know and love the Bundys even more today. Not only are they excellent at sibling harmony, you're going to learn a thing or two about family harmony as well, and we can get behind that. Okay, who's next? Rachel. Well then, guys, you're going to leave the music house and head straight on to the animal house. <laughs> now, renowned veterinarian Dr. Gary Weitzman is stopping by your weekend to share with you how you can be the best pet owner ever. Now, he has a collaboration with National Geographic Books, and it's called the National Geographic Complete Guide to Pet Health, Behavior, and Happiness. Get a few of the best tips from the book a little bit later on in the show. I'm all ears. <laughs> Okay, Rachel, the crazy thing is that set you up for your dog story, right? That's right. My husky Phoenix escaped from my yard again this week. And you know how sometimes there tends to be patterns to things? Well, the last time she escaped, I was on my way home from Taco Bell, and we ended up getting her back with a taco. So this time, I had picked up Taco Bell the night before, the 12 taco pack, and there were a few left in the fridge. So Phoenix gets out, she's running all over, but the first thing we did was run to the fridge, grab the tacos, and then chase. <laughs> so if you were driving around Midtown this 
week and saw two people waving Taco Bell tacos over their heads. Yep, <laughs> that was us. And yes, it did work. We got Phoenix back with a taco. And did you hear us mention at the top of the show that we live in chaos? Pretty much sums it up right there. Yes, well, up next, Wayne Brady to cut through the chaos. Yeah, guys, when you think of Wayne Brady, you might think gut-busting laughter. But in this interview, he's going to give you some brilliant life truths. He shares his heart, and we're here for it. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. More of your weekend getaway coming right up. This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, advanced comprehensive medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatologic care. BraddockFinnegan.com. Get a creative boost right here for your week. Back to it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. This is Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Well, Wayne Brady has got to be one of the most versatile entertainers today. From TV shows, Whose Line Is It Anyway, to The Wayne Brady Show, to Broadway, movies, sitcoms, soap operas, singles, a children's album. He's got a Grammy nomination and five Emmys. And you guys are in for one incredible night, April 13th at the Holland, when Wayne Brady joins the Omaha Symphony for their gala. Wayne's here right now to talk about his journey and everything he's up to. Welcome, welcome to the show, Wayne Brady. Now, thank you for that. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Good to have you with us. Okay, so now what can people expect from the show on the 13th? It's an evening of Sam Cooke and Sammy Davis Jr. Sam and Sammy. I'm one of those old-school throwback cats that I prefer a lot of the melodies and the singer-songwriters. I just think that there's nothing like an enduring melody, and there's a reason why people know the lyrics to Chain Gang long after they'll be singing Justin Bieber songs. That's why when I released my first record, I was nominated for Change Is Gonna Come, Sam Cooke cover. So it's been a while since I've been able to do this particular show, and it just makes me so happy to be in front of an orchestra of a big symphony. And I think it makes other people happy. That's why they come out and see it. And I'll be telling some stories about some of the songs, and it'll be nice and fun and sound great and a great evening of entertainment. Sounds awesome. So now, where did you develop your improv chops and the comedic timing that you have? It seems like music and singing has always been with you from the beginning. So at what point did that enter the picture? So I happened to get into it because I was doing an industrial film with Claire Sarah, and she's now a pretty big deal here in Hollywood as a screenwriter. But I met her when I was uh, 18, turning 19, and I joined her. Her husband had a class, and doing improv was really just a way to free yourself up as an actor. Right. So it wasn't like I said, oh, I want to do improv. It's just another tool in the belt. So were you initially good at it? Did you have a natural ability for it, or was that something that you had to learn? People confuse being funny with having the natural ability to do improvisation. Two different things. Improvisation is creating something out of nothing. And you can even improvise a dramatic scene if you wanted to, which is one type of improv. I think that came very naturally to me. I never really considered myself a funny person. I think I knew I was quick. I was always good in school, and words came easily to my brain. But in being with the people, that initial group, I think you unlock something. So it was placed in front of me, and I went, oh, this is fun. I think I can do 
this and it unlocks that piece you would call funny. So okay. I was just able to put it together. But I don't want anyone to think that you just become good at it. I sucked. Okay. A lot, yeah. which is supposed to. Right. You are supposed to fail. It's an imperfect art. You are supposed to fail at it a lot. And in the failing, you become better at it. And the audience expects a certain amount of failure or they watch you walk that tightrope. Right. right. Now, how did that inform your music? Did you bring some of that vibe into performing live when you're singing? Well, I think improv became a great weapon to have because as a singer, as a performer, the improv training gave me a feeling of confidence that no matter what happened, I'm going to be able to continue to keep going and laugh at myself while I do it. Yes. Because as a performer, as soon as you stress out, you go, oh, I did it. Then as soon as you become tense, it's done. Right. The audience sees it. You feel embarrassed. The audience feels embarrassed for you. The audience should never feel sorry for you. Uh-huh. As soon as that happens, it's done. Right. So I think I became good at musical improv because I was already a singer and a songwriter. So the improv helped the singing because I felt freer to come up with melodies and be able to explore. Okay. If you've just joined us, you're listening to singer, dancer, comedian, actor, and all-around entertainer, Wayne Brady, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now watching you on Whose Line Is It Anyway, you were always so good at the improv songs, you know, making songs up right in the moment. I want to know, like, what goes through your head? How do you do that? Well, how do you write a song? Well, I don't have to write it, like, right there in front of millions of people watching. You know, you can take your time. It's whatever the songwriting process is, but sped up. The mechanism is basically the same. Right. I'm not saying it's hard, because it's super hard, and I'm glad it's hard, or else everyone can do it. I let the audience, someone comes up with the title, my mom looks like Big Bird. Okay, fine. (laughs) Immediately, just like if you're doing a writing session, all right, this is what the song is about. So let me think. Big Bird, Yellow, Sesame Street, then what are all the things that go along with Mom? Then you think, well, where can this go? Because if you just start referencing Big Bird, that's cute, but you're not going to get to a narrative. Right. And the way that I do it, I always find the easiest is to place it in the form of a story. So immediately, I'm going to make the thing have a point. So I think of an end goal think about my mom gets kicked out of her house and ends up homeless on Sesame Street. Okay, cool. How do we get there? And so the whole song in my mind is piecing the rhyming words to get to the end. And I have to do that in a second. Right. To get to the destination. And make it rhyme. Well, the rhyming part is easy. It's because of the speed at which it has to happen. Right. If you had a chance to sit down, if you're a decent songwriter, you're being paid to rhyme. That's your job. But I think that the difference with myself is the immediacy of what it is. Also, if I pat myself on the back, it's the fact that the songs are actually good. Yes. Not just googly goth. Right. And it makes sense. In a form. And that's what sets you apart from others. So then I'm sure a lot of people want to know what the set was like on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Because all you guys are so funny. Did everybody get along? Did you crack each other up to the point that it was hard to keep your composure? What was it like? I really hate to pee on the fantasy. <laughs> it's a job. Okay. When you walk into work, people are in the dressing room. Folks say hi. Maybe you gather around the uh, craft service table. You're looking at your phone. Then the camera goes on, and you kick in to drive. So it's not like we sleep in bunk beds at each other's homes <laughs> and have pillow fights that are laughing. 
continuously. It's a fun job, but it's a job. It's a and job. It's a facet of your personality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you ruined that fantasy for me now. <laughs> so now, who have you looked to as a model for your career? Because you've done so many different things. There's not very many people that have entered so many different parts of the entertainment field and been successful. Did you just write it as you go along? Did you look to someone? I wish I could say that I had a master plan, but I didn't. My advice to young performers, and even to my daughter, who's an aspiring actress and singer-dancer, is have a plan. I was really blessed, because all my prayer was when I was working was, all I want, God, is I just want to work for the rest of my life. Now, I probably would have said, hey, can you hook me up with this plan that I've got in mind? <laughs> all I said was, I just want to work. It kind of gave me the freedom in my mind to do whatever and not really think about what anyone thought was cool. Because I had a lot of friends who would say they're actors and singers, but it's hard to have someone go, oh yeah, I'm an actor, and you're serving them coffee. But I always said to myself, if I can, I'm going to make my living in show business in any facet because I always want to be able to have that pride and go, no, I'm doing exactly what I said I'm doing. So if I wasn't doing theater, I also worked at Universal Studios in Orlando. I was a singer and dancer on cruise ships. I was in corporate bands. I sang in lounge bands in Las Vegas, touring rock shows. I performed at kids' parties when I first moved out to L.A. Anything to keep that muscle going because I knew that was it. There was no plan B. There was no plan C. It was just do this. Need more with Wayne Brady? We hear ya. Got more coming up right after this. Keep it here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. I was born by the river in a little change. Just like that river, I've been running ever since. Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. Aqua Gold at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's BraddockFinnegan.com. This next segment is brought to you by Stoke and Goat. Love their heated patio, new cocktails, and can't wait for Sunday brunch on Easter. Your weekend getaway. Glad you're hanging out here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Bo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Right now in the middle of a chat with singer, dancer, actor, comedian, and all-around entertainer Wayne Brady coming to the Holland Center this weekend with the Omaha Symphony. In the first segment, you heard all about Wayne's musical background and his journey into improv. And right now he's talking about how all the different things he's tried in the entertainment field cobbled together a unique and one-of-a-kind career. Let's get back with Wayne Brady. Because you did so many things in the entertainment field, you probably met you know, just a lot of people. So do you think that helped you get further in your career just because of the diverse things and all the people you met? 
one of the things I tell people in seminars is develop a tribe and not networking, because I think that's a, a dirty word to me, because it sounds kind of, uh, hey, buddy, hey, hey, yeah, and face right. pointing. I don't take my own advice. I'm very much a loner. But I'd say that all of the experiences that went into cruise ships, kids' parties, that's why I was able to do improvisation as well as I can because all of those shared experiences, every single bad gig, every silly gig, every great gig, so when on whose line, hey, do such and such as a such and such dancing on top of whatever, I'd already done that. Right. At some point in my life, <laughs> right. I've done something that let me do that. So is there anything in your career that you do that phases you now or that makes you nervous? Like, do you get nervous at all anymore? Or do you think that is just gone? Oh, no. I think you're supposed to get nervous. Okay. If you don't get nervous right before you step on stage, mm-hmm. you need to reevaluate where you're coming from. That's part of the drive. And then how do you channel your nerves to work to your advantage as opposed to not? I think I disassociate a little bit in the sense of when I'm super nervous, it's I almost have to believe that the Wayne that's stepping on stage that has the courage to go in front of the audience is not this Wayne. I'm going to sit back and watch that guy go. Man, look at him go. Isn't that fun? So that's how I kind of push myself, like, you just go. Love it. So now you've dealt with depression. You know, it's such a common problem, and so many people suffer. Speak to that a little bit and offer a little bit of advice or hope to someone who might be experiencing that. Well, I think some people in their ignorance feel when they tell someone who suffers from depression, like, come on, you know what, just smile. Think till you make it. Go ahead and have a great day. But don't be so down. It's not that. It's not an outside thing. It's your actual body chemistry, your makeup, and what you have to do at that point. You need to alleviate the symptoms and try to get help. And I'd never advocate medicine for someone if you don't need it. But if you are far along in it, go get your medicine. Go use therapy. Do things that are anti-anti-productive. Treat yourself well. Get to the issue of your problem. Every morning, I make my bed, first thing. If I do nothing else, I put both my feet on the ground and I make my bed. For me, the habit of making my bed means I can't go back to it, and the day has to start no matter what. Yeah, It's a small action, but it says so much. Put your day in the right direction. Right. Each of those small actions add up to something else. It's when there's inaction. That's when I find myself stuck is when I decide to not move. Yes. So for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but movement is the thing that sets me up for success uh-huh. versus being inactive. And some days, who doesn't want really to grab some Ben and Jerry's and sit in bed and not move? Right. Yeah. You know, but nothing's going to get done that way. You won't make life happen. Life will happen to you. That's not necessarily the best way. So you have to fight it. So talk to your friends, talk to your family. Don't be afraid to speak. That's why I decided to speak out. Love that, Wayne. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Wayne Brady right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You know, everyone in whatever job they have, there's some parts of their job that they don't like. So is there one thing about what you do that kind of rubs you the wrong way, like social media or... Uh, live interviews or traveling or flying? Like, what part of your job do you just, like, go, eh, I don't like this? 
Well, I think all of those things, if I wanted to rail on them, yeah, but they're all necessary pieces of what we do, uh-huh. and so I'm lucky to do those. I think the biggest pet peeve of being in the entertainment business uh-huh. for me, after all these years, is I don't like small minds. Mm. If you're a studio head, if you're a record executive, if you're a director, if you're a producer, if you're anyone that is creating the irony is we're one of the only businesses where you're creating something. It's not a tangible product yet. It's all IP. It's all in your head. It's all kids playing make-believe. But the people that are in charge of financing and making the make-believe happen are sometimes some of the least creative people and nice. least giving and least open. And that, I find, is the irony that sucks the joy out of the show part of show business. Uh-huh. That's the part I don't like. Mm-hmm. Because I love this, and I think it's wonderful to be able to make your living making people happy, and you can laugh yourself, and you can make someone smile with a song, or you can do something funny that makes someone's day. But then you've got to deal with the guy right. who who's making the decisions who has none of that joy. Right. And that's the biggest problem. I've never heard it put that way, but that is beautifully put and so true. And then I have one final question. Riffing yes, off sir. of Allie's question is, what is your most favorite thing of all the things you do? What brings you the most joy? The most joy? Huh. When I leave the stage, whether it's musically or doing something comedically, when I leave the stage and I feel that feeling of absolute exhaustion uh-huh. because I know that I have just laid everything out. Uh And I leave happy, and the people leave happy. You can't beat that feeling. That's the drug. Yes. Yeah. And it's the ultimate connection, really. Absolutely. And you can connect in a way that you can't connect in a normal day. Like, you can't walk around the street staring a couple thousand people in the eye and making them happy. Right. But you can be in one place at one time making a room full of people happy, or you can be on a TV show or have your song play and make all those folks happy. And it sounds corny, but it's true. That's the drug that after, God, I guess I started doing this when I was 16, I'm 46. I've been doing this for 30 years. And I can tell you honestly from the bottom of my heart, even if this success and the things I've been able to do hadn't happened to me, I would still be doing this. Because at one point, I did this for free. Right. Yes. I would still be doing this in some form. So true. I just love the brilliant truths you have hit on in this interview. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's good. Yeah. And can I give a shout out to someone? Sure. I've got a friend there in Omaha. Absolutely. I'm a guy named Matt Geiler. Matt and I have worked together on a TV show in my live act. And he's one of the kindest but most talented musical improvisers and musicians that I've met in a long time. So I just say his name so that when he starts doing things back home in Omaha, folks will go out and check it out. If you like live comedy and if you like live music, go and check out Matt Geiler. You have to. That is awesome. We'll definitely be supporting him, too. You have made us very happy by being part of our show, and you're about to make a lot of Omaha happy on the 13th at the Holland Theater when you're with the Omaha Symphony. And we want to thank you, Wayne, for joining the show and sharing your heart. Oh, thank you. Check out Wayne Brady this weekend at the Holland Center in Omaha with the Omaha Symphony. Okay, if you're watching this season of The Voice, you're undoubtedly familiar with the very first trio that has ever been on The Voice. The Bundys are up next. Hear what it's like behind the scenes and what they're up to. 
Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. And when it comes to shooting stars, I've seen a few, but I've never seen anything as beautiful as you. The Stoke and Goat. Funny name, casual atmosphere, and seriously good food. The Goat's new spring menu is here with summer salads, light seafood, and chicken entrees. Enjoy their fabulous patio, craft cocktails, and weekend brunch. Stoke and Goat, 158th and Maple. Find the harmony right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Rachel, along with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Welcome back. Well, season 16 of The Voice opened up their auditions to trios this year and enter the Bundys, sibling group Megan, Katie, and Ryan. Now, it's probably no surprise that music runs in their family, and it's also probably no surprise that this sister-sibling trio would want these guys on our show. We love their incredible harmony, and we want you to get to know the Bundys. Welcome, welcome to the show, The Bundys. Thank you so much. That was great. Oh, great to have you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want our listeners to find out who sings what in the trio. So, Megan, you can start off. We all kind of actually switch around. I usually kind of do some of the higher harmonies. We all sing melodies at times, and when we're given, you know, different songs, depending on if it's a guy's song or a girl's song, Ryan plays guitar. We all kind of sing a little bit of everything. So you split the leads and work your harmonies around who's singing lead. Exactly. And then tell us about your musical family. You guys grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, Katie, tell us about your parents. Yeah, our parents sang all the time when we were little. I mean, our mom would make a song out of every little thing that she would do throughout the day. And our dad was a little bit more secretive with his singing, but he always would sing kind of in private. So we always sang growing up, and then we kind of did our own things individually for a little while. And then in 2012... Megan went down to Nashville, and Ryan and I went down to sing harmony on the song that she was recording. And we were like, I think we've got something. So that's when we created the Bundys and started to sing together full time. So had you worked on harmony and your sound together before that time, or was that kind of a happy surprise? A little bit. So we all remember when we were growing up, our mom, if we were in the car with her, she would sing harmony to every song. Yes. And we didn't really know what that was, but we just thought it was so annoying when we were little. <laughs> we were like, we didn't understand it. Now we're like totally guilty, obviously, of it because we just make harmony out of everything. And it like um, seeped into you. So, yeah, exactly. And, you know, over the last few years, I think we've been a little bit more flexible and can find those odd harmonies that are a little bit harder to find, but kind of came a little more naturally. Yes, well, you can definitely tell the sibling blend. You know, it's like no other, and I think that is catching everyone's attention. So now, I know on The Voice, you typically have to do covers, but do you guys also write songs? Yeah, we have two albums that are out, but we do love covering songs as well. I think being songwriters kind of allows us to bring that mentality to a song and really kind of make it our own. A song that might not have a ton of harmonies, being able to kind of strip it down and kind of bring our own twist to it is something we love doing and, and something that The Voice really encourages as well. Yeah, restyling the songs. And then in 2016, you guys, you guys opened for Leanne Rhymes. What was that like, Megan? That was so cool. It was her Christmas tour. We got to learn from Leanne Rhymes. I mean, how many times do you get that opportunity? And she's a legend. And we just, 
We got to learn what it was like to put on a show every day and start from scratch and connect to a new audience. You can't pay for that kind of thing. Exactly. It was really, really a cool experience. You can't beat that firsthand experience. So, Katie, what would you say was the best piece of advice you took away from Leanne Rimes or <coughs> something that you observed? You know what? We were on the road with her for a few weeks, and she just went out every single show and gave it 110%. She yeah did like meet and greets before and was just so kind to her fans and had such great energy. I think we just learned a lot about work ethic and just like having fun when you're out there too, because she just had such a blast. And the fun element is so important to even keep in there, especially when the pressure gets higher. Yeah, exactly. So Megan, do you guys give each other pep talks at all before you go out there? We like to keep each other humble. We make fun of each other a lot, but when it comes down to it, we all know that we have each other's backs when we're out on stage. Yes. We actually have started this new ritual. Our grandfather passed away last year, but uh-huh. before he died, he kind of left us this video message, and we actually were lucky enough to be able to incorporate it in one of our songs that we wrote about him. Okay. And at the end of his message, he just, for whatever reason, just said, go for the greatness. And oh. yeah, and, and so we've kind of incorporated that now if we're ever feeling really nervous. We kind of all, you know, stand together, we say a little prayer, and then we kind of end it with go for the greatness, and then we all just kind of feel a sense of calm. I love that, and I love the fact that it comes full circle with your family and being, uh, you know, a sibling trio. That is just so fitting. Now, on The Voice, you selected Kelly Clarkson as your coach, and I think that she saw the beauty and the strength of you guys as a trio, whereas maybe some of the other judges would have wanted to make it more of like a lead vocalist and background. Is that true, Katie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, she spoke a lot about our harmonies and she grew up singing harmony and was in the choir and everything like that. So she just said that she could do a lot to kind of help us and help make us stronger. That was definitely one of the main reasons why we picked her because she just seemed very excited about us as a band. Yeah, she totally got you, I thought. If you're just tuning in, you're hearing from the very first trio ever on this season of The Voice. The Bundys are right here with you on the Mulberry Lane Show. Okay, now let's talk about the most recent battle round. You were against Michaela, but what was so cool is you kind of changed a little bit of the vibe of the battle round by being so basically nice to your competition. So Ryan, talk about that. And do you think it's because you guys work in a group that you were able to be so thoughtful of the other person? Oh, well, thank you for saying this. We love Michaela. You know, the first day when we realized she was going to be our battle partner, we kind of got together with her and we all sat down and we wanted to make sure it it wasn't really a battle feel to it. You're right. Being in a group, we were kind of able to understand that, you know, we didn't want to go at it from a three versus one. We wanted to go at it from a, this is a four person band almost. It was kind of a different feel to the battle rounds and, and that was kind of our goal at the start. Yeah, it was refreshing. So, Megan, as you know, there's always the struggle of how do you stay true to yourself and what do you change? So how are you guys as a trio going through this process on The Voice? You know, you've had to be open to new, like, things that you wear, new costumes. Where's the line that you say this is the Bundys and this isn't? Yeah, that's a great question. Change is hard, but that's kind of how you grow. That's another reason why we're just so glad that we have each other because we are constantly able to just remind ourselves where we want to go, what we want to do with our music. At the end of the day, I think we all kind of keep each other grounded to make sure that we're making the kind of music that we want to make. Right. Okay, so our show is a lot about encouraging people to go after their dreams. So do you have any pieces of advice for someone who's entering a talent show or going into a big audition? What do you say? 
I think the most important thing is if you genuinely love what you're doing and you love what you're singing, that comes through and it can kind of overpower those those nerves. There's a point where you can kind of sense a change when you go from just singing a song and trying to make sure it sounds really, really good to singing a song that you love. There's like a change in your voice and, you, yes. and it sounds different and you perform it differently. And mm-hmm. that's what you want to get to. And as long as you're doing what you love, it'll come through. I love that. Now, before we go, I have a question about the harmony because my sisters and I, sometimes when we hold a note, we sometimes yeah. like experience this phenomenon where we feel like all of the voices are coming out of one mouth, like a rainbow of voices or something like that. And I was going to ask yeah. if you guys have ever had that feeling before. Definitely. And I think you're right. And especially being siblings, even though all of our voices are different, you kind of experience this one voice kind of vibe. It is. It's so cool when you're able to hit that note and it just kind of all blends together and you just are like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> you know, and was that your part, my part? Yeah, are we exactly. singing the same note or what? Yeah, you can almost yeah. get confused on what you're singing because it all sounds like one. Yeah. yeah. Well, be sure to check out thebundies.com or the Bundies Music on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Megan, Katie, and Ryan, thanks for joining us today. And I am Bundies all the way for this season of The Voice. Yay! Thank you so much. It's been so fun talking to you. Uh, stay true to yourselves. Thank you. Check out The Voice, airing this Monday and Tuesday on NBC. And if you're a pet owner, you're going to want to stay tuned because this next segment is all about your pet. We'll meet you right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, right around the corner. This is Bo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Your weekend creative getaway. My lady, I'll be okay. I'll build you castles, I'll buy rings. Be my lady, I'll be your king. I'll make you lose your head for me. Be my Taxi's new spring menu is here with new appetizers, sandwiches, and entrees, and a fun selection of cocktails. Enjoy them all on the new patio. Come see what's new this spring at Taxi's 120th and Blondo. We've got you covered. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Right now, guys, this show is going to the dogs and cats and birds. Dr. Gary Weitzman, renowned veterinarian, joins your weekend to tell you all about his book with Nat Geo, Complete Guide to Pet Health, Behavior, and Happiness, to get you up to speed on everything pets. Welcome, welcome to the show, Dr. Gary Weitzman. Good morning. So good to have you on the show today. So first of all, you have to talk about your previous books and how this book came together. Yeah, sure. Um, I've been working with National Geographic for almost a decade now. I have a few children's books, and then they asked me, hey, how would you like to do a larger book talking about pet health? And uh, that's what was the genesis of this book. How did you assemble what you felt would be the most valuable information for pet owners? Yeah, really good question. There's a lot out there. And researching the book, I learned so much that I didn't know because everything changes. I'll tell you, this book is about 400 pages, but I think that I wrote about 2,000 or more. So there's a lot more that we could fit into one book. Otherwise, it would be like an Encyclopedia (laughs) Britannica. And and I wanted it to be manageable and, and be a reference as well as, you know, a full read if somebody wanted to do that. Okay. So now let's go back to the beginning. Now, if we're thinking of getting a pet, how do we decide what the best pet is for our situation, our family, our kids? 
Well, first of all, a discussion with your family is really critical. Probably the best age to start a pet for children would be about five years old. Then going to the proper source to get an animal, whether that's a shelter, a rescue group, or a responsible breeder. You know, I only ask that people really be cautious and don't get a pet from a pet store. Don't go online. You don't know what you're getting. They don't know you. Usually it's not a good situation. So now when you bring home the new pet, do you have some tips on bonding, especially for the little ones? First of all, always, always, always supervise. If you have children, you have to be the room monitor, the hall monitor. You can't blink. And that's not to say that it's insurmountable because it's really enjoyable, but the adult has to be the adult in this relationship. So it's teaching your kids how to gently take care of an animal and give affection. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, kids pick up languages in two seconds. They pick up animal language, too. And they do it better than we do a lot of the time. So (laughs) it's a good situation. It really is. It's a great way to develop empathy in your children. Absolutely. Okay, so now, you know, so many times our dog or cat might be limping or acting funny or maybe not eating on a regular schedule that you're used to. How do we know if they're injured, if they're sick, or if it's an emergency? Yeah, great question. And um, I wanted to first of all say that the book is not to be a substitute for your veterinarian. It's actually to help you partner better with her or him. So there are things that they always seem to happen late Sunday afternoon or at 2 o'clock in the morning (laughs) on Friday night, something like that, right? Uh They always do. So it's having a little bit of knowledge. If your dog comes back from going out to go to the bathroom at 11 p.m. on Saturday, comes back limping, you may have to go to your emergency clinic if something happened but you may not you may be able to wait till sunday morning or better yet monday morning if you can do it but these are things just to give people a little bit of knowledge about what might have happened and you know what it's not a whole lot different than for humans I mean, we might have a day that we are not, you know, fully weight-bearing on one ankle for a little while because we overdid something. So it's amazing to me how rarely people will conclude that something may be minor if it's with their animals because we tend to to really elevate it pretty quickly. And you get worried about them, too. You do get worried, and Uh they can't tell you that this hurts, but you can read it. Okay, so now from your background, having worked with animals for so long, what lesson have you learned being around these animals that you could share with our listeners? Oh, there's so many, it's hard to count. But I think one of the things is that our knowledge of our companion animals changes profoundly and quickly. What we're doing to actually treat animals, which is far, far different than what we did five or 10 years ago. And then from a behavior aspect in training, you know, we used to think, oh, you have to be the dominant head of your pack to actually have a well-behaved dog. Well, now we know that you do not have to, nor should you ever dominate your dog or your cat, obviously, because that's not necessary and it's really counterproductive. It's amazing how much knowledge has changed. So if you didn't fit all of everything you researched for this into one book, I'm imagining there'll be a second one. There may be. <laughs> maybe maybe with, with the other 1,500 pages that I didn't fit into this book. Right. That's the hardest part about writing a book, what you don't get to add to right. it. National Geographic is a great partner in this. Dr. Gary Weitzman, the book is Complete Guide to Pet Health, Behavior, and Happiness. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Okay, sisters, now it's time for one of our favorite parts of the show, show notes. 
Yes, Allie, and this is where we share with you the best bits of advice from each of our guests on the show today. So first, we're going to start with Wayne Brady, and Wayne shared one of his tips to help fight depression. He said, do the things that are anti-anti-productive. It's when there's inaction that you find yourself stuck. He said, movement is definitely the thing that sets you up for success versus being inactive. And he added, you got to make life happen so it doesn't happen to you. So if you're stuck in a rut, do something as simple as what Wayne said, make your bed every morning. Solid advice from Wayne Brady. Mm, So good. And Wayne, thanks so much for stopping by the show today. And then you guys heard from sibling trio from The Voice, The Bundys. Now, before their grandfather passed away last year, he left a video message for the trio. And at the end, he said, go for the greatness. And the Bundys say before they go out on stage, if they're feeling a little nervous, they say to each other, go for the greatness, and then they feel a sense of calm. It's a catchphrase you might want to keep in your back pocket. And this week, go for the greatness. And Megan, Ryan, and Katie, thanks for bringing some additional harmony to the show today. We love you guys. Team Bundy all the way. Okay, girls, last piece of advice. Yes, Dr. Gary Weitzman, veterinarian, said to have a well-behaved dog, you don't need to be authoritatively dominant. So it's time to read up on the latest thoughts in dog training. And that might just spill over to people, too. You don't have to be overly dominant. You don't have to be a jerk, right? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, guys, we'll take these bits of advice into your week. Have a great week and meet us here same time, same place next weekend. We'll be waiting right here for you. We're signing off for now. Remember, your Mulberry sisters love you. Woo! Both stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Woo! Yeah. 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 Baby, take